Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. This is episode 59 and I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler. And guess how happy we all are. Gloria, Gloria. Right I now. couldn't like, ask for a more perfect night. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, Tyler got to see uh, live in person all the very upset Bruins fans. Because if you all didn't know already, Tyler lives in Boston. Yeah. So I'm surprised his his house isn't on fire or that the city's not on fire. Uh, but it, it had to have been pretty dangerous. No, I would say people were just like more like kind of like the players, like more like sad. It was like kind of weird to see. Like there was no mad. I guess on the radio today a little bit, people were like kind of pissed, but like, like at the, like at the place that I was at, it was like an old school theater. People were like, just like this. Like, They're assuming the Michigan pose. Was it yes. kind of like the 09 loss for Detroit fans? Yeah, yeah. But not, I don't think as much because, you know, we had three cups at that point. And uh, Boston, you know, I mean, that would – like, think about it. If Boston would have won that game, you had Bergeron and Chara and Marshan and all – like that whole core would have had two Stanley Cups. Two Stanley Cups solidifies you as, you know, uh, something that people will remember. I mean, one, you can fall into one. Like Carolina did in 2006. Oh, it was fantastic. We were at uh, the local World of Beer establishment here in the Canton, Michigan region. And there was a couple Bruins fans that were there. And the first goal was the demoralizer. But to hear them slowly get more and more quiet as the night went on. And I think <laughs> the one guy was actually crying. And he just started drinking heavily. Then mm-hmm. we had some random old guys that rode into this the restaurant on bikes that started drinking by us that were apparently blues fans or just really happy the blues are winning. So it was an, a joyous occasion and it was just overall a great series to be quite honest. I, I'm very happy with how it played out though. All things aside, like, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not a Bruins guy, but like, you know, I love the league as a whole. So like I'll watch no matter what. And um, just, just, I love the whole storylines with, um with, with the blues, you know, they had Layla. Yeah, that's Anderson, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. You have Patrick Maroon who comes back, you know, on a really short money, short term deal, and he wins the Stanley Cup in his home city. You have the team that was literally the the worst team in the NHL January third, and and they end up winning the Stanley Cup. You know, behind and, a rookie then, goalie called up in January. A, exactly behind a rookie goalie, and like, I mean, people here say that they don't have any superstars. I mean, Tarasenko, I would argue, and Ryan O'Reilly, I would argue, but like, they do. Those are superstars. Then you got Petrangelo on the back end. Outside of it, though, I think Boston was more talented, and I think that's what hurts people in Boston the most. That that you know they feel like one slept away from them, kind of like we did in two thousand nine. I mean, they also had Barclay, the hockey dog, who was a very (laughs) good boy and should get his name on the Stanley Cup. I saw also, somebody post today that it would be a crime if the, the dog didn't get to eat out of the cup. 
<laughs> I right? love the jersey, Greg. I, I have to say. Yep, got my uh, my Blues jersey on. But How I think old it was is just, that thing. This is a CCM Blues jersey. Pretty so, old. Those are the, those so that's like oh five, oh six, maybe even before that. No, Reebok yeah. was around already by that point. Oh, yeah, so this is like before 03, that. Oh four, then. Yeah. Early to early two thousands. It's it was just I mean Bennington played out of his mind in that game. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Rask faltered a little bit, uh, and, and as soon as he let in like the second God. goal, people on Twitter exploded, yelling for him to be traded and that he blew it for them and that it's all his fault. And then you go back and you look, Rask got quite a few Con Smythe votes uh, in either second or third place. And he was good that entire series. Bennington had worse numbers than him, but Bennington played well when I think it mattered the most. Yeah. And and Bennington stole seventy five percent of that game for for St. Louis. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I think it was what they they ended the first period with what four shots on net and only two. Wasn't it two shots yeah. on two goals? Well, two shots two, on four goals. Two goals on two, two goals, goals on four on shots. Shot. Yeah, but they only had two scoring chances. It was two goals mm-hmm. on two scoring chances. I remember at one point that early in the second, the shots were twenty to eight. <laughs> yeah, it was it was bad. But Bennington basically took that game for them, and that's kind of what you need a clutch goalie to do is steal that game and and just don't let anything in. Mm-hmm. And they said it would have taken the perfect shot to go past him that night, and and Boston ended up getting one in that that goal. There was no way that wasn't going in. That was a snipe. It's like a mixed knuckle puck slash. I don't even think he intended to hit the puck the way that he did for it to go in. No, absolutely not. But it was a snipe and just like the way it looked. Tyler, by the way, how's your dad? Is he okay after that? Yeah, he's all right. I mean, he knows that that they got outplayed. (laughs) I mean, he's he he knows that they got outplayed. Like he even said, Bennington played out of his mind in Game Seven. And like, even though the Bruins had their opportunities, they didn't score when it mattered, and they didn't. You know, the first line wasn't going for them. That Pasternak, where did where did he go? Marshand, you know, he he wasn't there. Thankfully. Oh, you know, no, no, you know where Marshand went? He went to the bench. He went to go change with eight seconds <laughs> left in the game. Bravo! Or eight seconds left in the period. On the video last that night, by so the way, bad. there were some fantastic ones going out, and the one that you were able to throw out there can definitely be added to the the top of the list. The oh, one, that was one from the one from this morning. Did you? Was it this morning that you did that? Well, my Gwen Stefani m- mashup. Yes. Yeah. yeah was, that was, was that from this morning? This morning. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, with with Portnoy getting hit on the head with a towel. Yeah, that was <laughs> is the best. But it was so. Uh, it it was a pretty interesting game. It was great. We all love to see Boston lose. I don't think anyone except for maybe two people that I saw on Twitter outside of Boston were rooting for Boston. Yeah, and and to see the the Blues get their first ever Stanley Cup, it's just a super special thing. And and something you're not really if you witness a team get their first ever cup, it's not really something you forget. So, right. I'll tell you what would have been super special if the weather cooperated because they would have sold out the ballpark and the freaking hockey arena. But you know they only had they were only in like the covered up spots in the ballpark because it was pouring rain out. Yeah. Still though, they had a good showing that they had to. How many actually were at? Bush Stadium. Did was there a count? 20, that... 20, 28 or twenty nine thousand or something like that. So it's still ten thousand more than the Enterprise Center. Yeah. Damn, that's yeah. impressive. They killed it. That was it was awesome to watch their their fan base. I mean, it's like most Wings fans 
of our generation not getting to see that cup until 97. So, and then all of our parents for the pretty much the most part of their life. So, I mean, in a way, a lot of Wings fans can relate to how that went for them with that 97 cup. So pretty sweet, I thought. Yeah, I think with the Blues going forward, too, I think they're going to be still a good team going forward. Maybe not the Stanley Cup champions again next year. However, the Bruins, I think the window is closed. I'm sorry. I really do. I think Char is long in the tooth. I think Bergeron slowed down a little bit. Marchand's getting a little bit up there, and he's not that old. Krejci didn't produce at all. And, you know, I mean, they do got some young guys, but, I mean, so did we. And, and you know, we lost Datsuk and Zetterberg, and that was kind of the end of it. So, I mean – I so what's going to happen with Tory Krug? And that's the other thing. That's the other thing. He's a free agent coming next year, right? Yeah, and most most of their main guys are under contract for one more year. I just – I see them and I see Chicago. I remember Chicago winning that third Stanley Cup, not to bring up bad memories. But I see them and I see the Bruins in the same kind of situation, although they do have McAvoy and some younger defenses. So maybe I am a little wrong there, but – I think they're getting close to that window closing, though. Yeah, but the big thing already closed. McAvoy, I'm looking at cap friendly. McAvoy and Carlo are both restricted free agents yep. coming this offseason. And then you've got Grizzlick and Connor Clifton both going to be restricted. They're hitting the RFA status next season after this coming season. So, but pretty much all of their main guys. So their whole defense, with the exception of John Moore, is a free agent after the coming season. Yeah. That's so, tough. and like to, to your point, Greg, the Krug saga, if he's going to resign, there's been far more rumors than I expected about him coming to Detroit. Wasn't it even mentioned last night, too? Pierre said it yesterday. Did he? That if I Boston mi- doesn't sign Krug, that Detroit will. And I, I mean, Pierre, like I said, and I even quoted it and said, Pierre eats paint chips because he's got <laughs> the least reliable source in the entire league. And I, I don't trust anything he says, but I mean, there's a good chance that Tory Krug could come to Detroit. He's what, 28, 27, yeah. and yeah. And he's a Michigan guy. He, he played, he played pretty much out of his mind in the playoffs too. And yeah. I wouldn't mind it, but again, we're trying to get younger. We are out of post today. I saw from cat friendly. We are the second oldest team in the league right Barely. now. By Barely the one second. years behind by point one years behind Minnesota. How? So twenty nine point four average. Twenty nine point yeah, twenty nine point four is our average age. Now is that is that does that inc- include guys like Vanek and stuff like that? Like probably that includes anyone on, on the roster. They're still technically on the roster oh, until July one. Until July one. Okay, all right, that makes sense. So after July one, our roster gets younger, and I think that's what Steve Eisenman kind of said today already. Yeah. So speaking of that, we're going to talk a little bit about the Steve Eiserman press conference. Uh, today, we're also going to talk about Max Boltman's latest article with a few scenarios he threw out on what the Red Wings could do during the offseason. Uh, but we'll start with Eiserman. He had about a 20 minute press conference today from Little Caesars Arena. He went over a few things like buyouts and trades and pending free agents. And there were some some things we pulled out that thought were a little bit interesting when he was asked about buyouts. If you guys didn't know, the buyout window is the 15th uh, opens on that Saturday or this coming Saturday. And he was asked if there would be any buyouts. And uh, he basically alluded to the fact that he's not really thinking about buying anyone out at this moment. 
that we thought maybe Erickson would be a candidate or someone, not Ablocator and not Nielsen because they're signed for far too long and it would hurt the cap too much. Mm-hmm. But Erickson's got a year left. Daly's got a year left. They could have bought one of them out, taken that extra hit for another year since we really don't need all the cap space right now anyways. But it looks like Eiserman is not going to do that, which I understand. But I think you need the spots more than you need the cap. Uh, yeah. And what's interesting about that, too, when you watch the presser, how quickly and like kind of under the radar the answer was to that because you didn't really hear the question come. I think it was Helene St. James that asked it if he was going to do it. And he's like, at this point, no, basically. So there's hope. I guess you can take a little bit of hope out of that. But unless it's going to be a guy on your back end, there really is no point for them to do it at all. Yeah, I mean, I guess at this point, you just kind of let it ride out with, with Erickson and, and, and those guys for one yeah. more year, and then that'll be the end of it. On the flip side of it, he was asked about pending UFAs like Luke Witkowski and Vanek. He said he has been in touch with Witkowski, but wouldn't go any further. Uh, he has not been in touch with Tomic Vanek. They have not spoken. Mm-hmm. I think we can all pretty much assume that Vanek is gone and, and Zadina is going to probably take his place. I would guess that Vanek might even be retired. I was listening to Elliot Friedman's podcast. And he kind of said something about Thomas Vanek and the only the only fit that he could find, and he couldn't even find a specific team that he would be a part of. But was he said basically at this point of his career, he's more of a power play specialist, and and that's pretty much it. So if you can find a third line team that needs a power play specialist, but here's the thing with Vanek, I don't think he's going to take short money. I think he's going to want not a lot of money because he can't command a lot of money, but can he can't command two and a half? To, to no. be a power play specialist somewhere? Well, no. that's probably what it's going to cost, though. And if not, then he's probably going to retire. That would be my guess. The only way I see him fitting in anywhere is if he's going to be a depth guy on a team that can make a run. That's what I mean. I mean. That's it. I but... think the the upsetting part to me was the Witkowski comments. Now, he could be in Witko- touch with Witkowski's camp telling them, listen, we're not going to have you back. Because it doesn't say which way the conversations were going whether he'd be coming back or not. But if Witkowski stays and you keep him in that 7D role, that's almost guaranteeing that Erickson gets ice time, which mm-hmm. is kind of what we're trying to stay away from if you want. If Cronwall's not signed. Well, that's the other part of it. The the At this point, Iserman made it very clear today that the ball's in Cronwall's court. If he wants to come back, there's a spot for him. Yep. He basically said that he's he's asked him to come back. He's giving him time. He's not giving he's not giving him a deadline of July first to make a decision. Mm-hmm. He said he's gonna let him take as long as he wants. It could go into next season before Cronwall <laughs> makes his decision. So I think that kind of ties the hands of the organization a little bit, unless they work around it, unless they have a plan to work around not knowing what Cronwall's going to do. I kind of took it. That I way. don't. Yeah, that's the way I, I took it too. Well, I don't see how you can give him an inde- an indefinite amount of time to make a decision when you know you have decisions to make. Yeah, but he also made it sound like July when July first comes around, and he, granted, he didn't commit to saying that he was going to go all in at free agency, but he said that what Cronwall does or does not do by that point would not impact what Eiserman will do when it comes to signing potential players that fit what he wants to have there. I get that. I just, it, 
it kind of worries me when you're you're waiting and waiting and waiting on someone to make a decision. I feel like you have to wait on that person to make other decisions around them. Yeah. But I also think that if he does make some sort of move in regards to bringing in somebody, I don't think he's going to do it just to make a depth move. I think it's, I mean, we've kind of beat the horse already on who we would love to see on the back end or if a trade were to come about, but I don't think it's going to be a move. He's not going to be signing some five, six defender to try to come on the team. I will say one thing, listening to that Eisenman press conference, and I haven't listened to the entire thing. I think I got to like 15 minutes. I think it's about 25 minutes long. And the one thing that really stuck out to me, and obviously, like, I mean, I remember Eisenman playing. I remember watching him on TV and stuff. But, like, but, uh, until, like, 2006 or seven, I didn't have the NHL package. So, like, I didn't get, like, all the media stuff and stuff like that. So I have no idea how he was like with the media unless it was the playoffs. So – The way it strikes me is it strikes me – Ken Holland was a little bit more like straightforward, kind of tell you what what he was going to do without really telling you what what he was going to do. I think Eiserman's one of those guys that's not going to tell you either way. I think he's going to tell you, uh, you know, kind of what he's going to do. But I I feel like at the end of the day, he's going to be one of those guys that's kind of going to do what he wants to do and not really tell anybody anything. That's the way it looks like to me. And that's the way it sounds because even like, like it seemed like in a way he wanted to say, I'm not going to tell you, but obviously he wasn't going to do that because that was like his second or third time with the media. That's the way it looked like to me. I don't know about you guys. He pretty much gave an answer like that to Helene at the very end. Did you catch that? (laughs) I did not. Like I said, I only got to. Oh, that's right. You didn't get to the end. She asked, she mentioned like the top three likely players getting picked up and then she asked him what type of prospect he was going to get he's like we're going to get a good prospect which he had said like four other times i was yeah. kind of dumbfounded by some of the questions that they were asking him to be yeah he's honest. he seems like the type of guy it, obviously as a player that he was he was kind of very well spoken but at the same time he was like you know not really the most energetic person in the world like talking i feel like he's going to be like that as a general manager and i feel like he's he doesn't have to tell you anything if he doesn't want to, and no one's gonna f- twist his arm to do so. No, right? not at all. So, so the other the other thing they talked about in uh, the Eiserman interview was trading, and he basically made the point that they're not really gonna make any trades to fill holes. Now mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they're not gonna make any trades at all. That just means that they would rather fill the the holes in the lineup through free agency or they would rather fill the holes in the lineup with young talent. Mm-hmm. Now they could trade off pieces for picks to open up spots. That is one thing that I think they would do is try to, to stock picks even more and then try to pick up someone through free agency or try to promote a kid. Now that kind of also tips to me that they don't really have any interest in trading uh, a bunch of pieces for Truba or they really don't have any interest in, in going after, like, taking on a contract of Ryan Callahan or anything like that. They would rather sit back, draft some players, develop their own, bring in the youth, and not and, and fill through free agency if there are any players that, that fit their needs. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm reading through the Detroit News, just the recap. They actually have it summed up pretty well, but it's, 
very cryptic, I think, in a lot of the comments that he make made so far. And it kind of went back to his initial press conference. Like, was it you, Greg? I think that I saw post the details of what a possible Truba trade would look like. Yeah, someone from the Athletic in Winnipeg kind of took a stab at what they thought a Truba trade to Detroit would look like, which would center around Mike Green and probably two second-round picks. Done. Which I would done. do in two seconds. Yep, done. But but again, that's and that also wouldn't be, I guess, technically trading to fill a hole. That would be sending out a defenseman, getting in a younger, better defenseman, and, and just getting rid of a couple picks. Now, would I do that? Absolutely in a heartbeat because Winnipeg's not trading from a position of power currently. I mean, Truba's going to be in RFA next season. They he they know he doesn't want to be there. He, they'll have to trade him. And mm-hmm. and when you have to trade someone, you really don't get value like you like you think you would or necessarily like you would want. So I think green in two seconds for Truba, I think anyone in Detroit would do that in two seconds. So in other words, it's not going to be, it's not going to look anything like the Ryan McDonough contract then. M- or most not likely contract, not. Trade, it wouldn't be a mirror image of that trade. No, because uh-huh. it, even he said in the, in the comments, someone commented that green in two, uh, two seconds, there's no way they would do that. And he goes, I agree, but, I would expect a Truba trade to be underwhelming because of the position that Winnipeg is in where they basically have to trade Truba. So, and they've got a lot of guys that, that they have to sign this, this coming season. Yeah. Uh, who Kyle Connor, Patrick line, needs to be resigned line. A, so here's their restricted guys is line, a, Andrew cop and Kyle Connor. Then unrestricted. They've got Brandon Tanev and Parlin home. Matt Hendricks is there, but he's 37. I doubt they bring him back. No. And then on defense, they've got Truba, Nathan Boyu, Joe Morrow is restricted, and their unrestricted is Bogdan Kislevich. Who the hell is that? No exactly. idea. Ben Sherratt and Tyler Myers. So, I, I don't know. They're they're in a mess. That's one team that that I think their window is probably the most closed because they're going to have to do something. Uh, to to restructure a bit, but because they're 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 not going to get rid of Line A. Line A, they have to lock up. He's their mm-hmm. star player. They're not. Cop uh, is a good player. Yes. Yeah. Getting in trouble too. I mean, yeah. So, 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 restricted guys are all, and Cop's the only one that's arbitration eligible. Yeah. So Truba's agent is actually Dylan Larkin's agent. I learned that oh, today. Really? Yeah, uh, Custance, Craig Custance did a inter, or did a kind of interview uh, where he he laid some stuff out. But they got the same agent. I mean, Truba's from was he from Rochester? Rochester Hills, I think. Yeah, yeah Truba's from Michigan, and it's would it Metro fit? Metro Detroit, if you yeah, will. Yeah, would it would it fit? Absolutely. It's just what are you willing to give up to make it happen? And and does Eiserman want to do that? And the answer: Does Eiserman want to do that? Probably not. He doesn't want to make a big splash. He doesn't want to ruffle feathers. He doesn't want to just go make moves to make moves. And he's made that abundantly clear. Yeah, but if, if something makes sense like that kind of trade and it's underwhelming two seconds and, and Mike Green, I think he would pull the trigger on that. See, uh, what I think about this, I mean, what's, what is Green making? And, at... and the other thing is Eisenman may say that 
and then turn around at the draft and, and, and go to the floor and, you know, there's a trade for Truba and, and, you know, Winnipeg comes to him with that and he's like, of course, yeah, I'll do that. Hell, maybe even Winnipeg would be, they don't have a third round pick this year or a first round pick. Give him, give him this year's second and, and, a, and a third and boom, done. Blue green. Do you do, I, do you I, this year? I would do it in a heartbeat. I don't think they would do it. I think that's the thing. Would they want a forward prospect as well? They, don't, they I think they're good enough up front that they wouldn't need that. Well, yeah. Brandon Tanov is going to walk in free agency. He's a pretty good little player. Yeah. I think they're going to be hurting more in the back end than anything, especially for what if they don't get all their guys re-signed to what they can deem as affordable. Because yeah, right yeah. now their top, play, their top paid defenseman's buffling at 7.6, and he's 34. But that's the problem with bringing in Green. Granted, it's only for one season. He's 33 and has been had some health issues the last two years. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, they... that's why we are sitting here being, you know, pundits of bullshit while these guys are being paid to do it. So, yeah, exactly. We're not making any money, you know, making trades or analyzing or playing armchair GM. But I think it's it'd be plain to see that I know Winnipeg's going to want more, but I don't think they'd be able to get more because of the position they're in. Now, the last thing that Eiserman talked about, and it wasn't the last thing canonically that he talked about, was the draft where I know Ryan mentioned earlier that he said no matter, they're looking at about six guys right now at, at number six, mm-hmm. and, and they said they would be absolutely happy with any one of them and that they would make the team better in the long run. And he also said that he had not been approached to trade the sixth overall pick, and he has no intention of trading the sixth overall pick, whether that be up or down. So... To all those people that want him, wanted him to trade up so they can take Byram, he's not going to do it. For all those people that wanted him to trade down because the, the gap is so close between 6 and 10, he's not going to do it. Uh, the, only, the only way he might, what I think he might do is maybe package a couple of those seconds to move up back into the first round but he has not thought about trading the sixth overall pick at all. And I don't think he should. He shouldn't. I don't think he's, I know there's talk about trading back and moving down a little bit, but I don't think that'd be a wise choice. And I think that we can all safely assume that he wouldn't do that unless it was a home run deal, but there's no reason to, I don't think he he would have, there's what he could get at six. And from what we've talked about there, there's a star in the making there and you add that to what they already have. That's there's too much potential. Now on draft day on draft day, if, if you're picking six and, and you're up there and Zegris is there and Caulfield is there and you get a call from, from Edmonton and Edmonton goes, uh, Holy shit. Uh, we want, uh, pod Coles in. He's still there. We're afraid Buffalo's going to take him. We'll we'll trade you our eight for your six, and we're gonna take Pod Coles in, and we'll give you an extra second, or we'll give you I don't know this prospect and and a second round pick or whatever to move up so they get the player that they definitely want, and then five of your guys are still on the board. I probably make that deal, but I'm not dropping down to like ten or eleven just because someone calls me with a, with an offer. But if I need to drop two spots or three spots because all my guys are on the board and I get an offer that I can't refuse, I'm still pulling the trigger. Yeah, I think the most you go, you fall is nine to Anaheim's spot. Yeah, 
exactly yeah. and even there I, even at 10 they're not going to be it's not going to be an awful pick but you're it's definitely going to be a drop off compared to what we've been seeing yeah i know i in this in this position of the rebuild i don't know if you guys watched the like draft special they had on fox sports detroit i haven't had a chance they, to watch that yet that it's pretty good they were talking about like it and and uh, basically they were saying like from from 6 to 10 is is a drop off obviously but like at six, they pretty much like everybody that they've looked at, whether it be uh-huh. Zegras or whether it be uh, Pot Colson or whether Caulfield. it be Caulfield or like any of those guys, Turcot, uh, like those guys are, are guys that they want. So it doesn't matter whichever one, they're going to get a good player. It's just a matter of who it ends up being. Yeah. And speaking of draft uh, day, the Detroit Woo! Red Wings are having a draft party at Little Caesars Arena. It is absolutely free. If you go to their Facebook page or to there. their Twitter page, it is the pinned post, I believe, now yep. where you can go RSVP. You'll get an email saying thank you for RSVPing. Uh, they will have it in the arena uh, on the big Jumbotron. They will have it outside, weather permitting in the plaza there on the huge screen. They're going to have alumni in for autographs. They're doing locker room tours. If you haven't seen the Red Wings locker room, it's insane. Uh, I've been in it twice now. It's a pretty sweet locker room. But yeah, they're doing uh, different shooting skill activities outside. If you've ever been to a a non-game Red Wings event, like if you went to the Little Caesars Arena preview or, or a couple other things they've done, they put on a really good time when there's not a game going on. Mm-hmm. so there will be beer and food me and ryan will be there so you can come hang out with me and ryan uh, you you could buy us a beer you'll find us wearing our uh we will have our grindline podcast t-shirts come say hi come get a picture with us we'll put you up on twitter uh tyler's extremely upset i mean tyler you can catch a greyhound and come on down if you want <laughs> uh, no i'll be there for the home opener and i'll meet both of you guys well your dad gonna be here with his awesome yes. back tattoos oh yeah yeah my dad will be there nice so yeah me and ryan will be at the draft party so if you got nothing to do it's free parking's even free in the little caesar's garage so oh. yeah is it, com- is the come big on thing- down is the big thing having for RSVP into this um, so you actually get access to the parking garage? Um, I don't know. So they said RSVP and I RSVP'd and like two days went by and I didn't get an email. I RSVP'd mm-hmm. again, didn't get an email. I did it a third time and then got an email. So I think what's going to eventually happen is they're going to send out probably next week an email that says you RSVP'd, click this link, and then it'll load tickets into your Ticketmaster app. Yeah. Because you can't get into the arena without tickets. They're not going to let people in without tickets. Really? So Didn't realize that. They, I needed tickets when I went to do the, the Little Caesars preview. It was free, but you still had to go on and get tickets, so they had something to scan to let you in. Uh, that makes sense. More controlled that way. Yeah, so... I mean, obviously, Chevy Plaza is going to be probably wide open, you'd think. Yeah, for as long to as get the Chevy good. Plaza, you will just have to go through metal detectors. Yeah. But... Yeah, but other than that, I think that to go in the building, they'll probably have to have you use a ticket. So they'll have to scan something. Go on RSVP, meet us down there. It's going to be a great time. We will be tweeting out where we're at. You can tweet to us and ask us where we're at. We'd love to meet all of you. It'll be a good time. Hint, so, wherever the beer is. <laughs> yeah, we'll be near near the non-Bud Light beer. 
<laughs> You'll find us near whatever craft stand they have out there or whatever. Uh, or you'll find us hanging out with Darren McCarty, probably. He's supposed to be there. Oh, he will be. He's at every Red Wings event. Moving on from the draft party, we are going to talk about Max Boltman. His article, if you guys don't have an athletic subscription, what the hell are you doing? Do it. This is the best time of year to get an athletic subscription because it's literally content after content on after content between drafting and, and mock drafts and free agency and trades. This is the best time to have an athletic subscription because we we have the best beat writers that do not bullshit. They don't go they don't say what the organization wants them to say. They're not paid by the organization or whatever to to spit out predetermined lines. They tell it like it is. They give you such real life situations. Max is awesome. Craig is awesome. But Max put out an article recently that kind of went over a few scenarios on what the Red Wings could do going forward, specifically three different scenarios. One that was basically staying pat, one that was going youth, full youth forward, and then one that was kind of taking on a contract uh, plus assets from another team to to put them in the lineup and kind of get, get a little bit on the back end for it so i'm gonna let ryan go over the, the scenarios and then me and tyler will kind of go back and forth on them so scenario one is quoted from max is called pure uncut patience so basically with this scenario it's what the first line of this first paragraph states is the most might have to be considered the most realistic scenario essentially what happens with this one is that the wings pretty much look how they did last season the one exception being that there's no nick Cronwall. other than that the lineup is pretty much unchanged your top three forwards are burt larkin mantha the big change there is vanik's gone but you have zadina in his place kind of like what we talked about to many that would probably have a large why look on their face or not uh, anthony c is your two center you got Glenn Denny and Hiroshi. A lot of this, it's a mainstay of what we just saw, which doesn't bode well, but it's what you can expect. So, the biggest thing, though, on defense, I think that is that Chalowski is going to be on the roster again with Hironic up there because Cronwall's out. Erickson, hopefully, is your 7D. But the other thing that's kind of glaring about this one is there's no Oliver Kasky, uh, the new finish signing. So, it's it, this is the most realistic, I think, from what we've talked about over and over. Did, did you hear what Eisenman said about Kasky today? That he would definitely like him in the, on the lineup? Yes, then that he's going to be given every opportunity to make the team. I love uh, that it. was actually also echoed by Blaschel in his last interview with Art Reichner for Red and White. Uh, Blaschel did say he got to see Kasky quite a bit and that he will get every chance to, to make the lineup in, in camp and preseason. I love the person that asked him straight up, have you watched him play? Yeah, you watch him play. You know those players that you signed? Did you ever watch him play? They asked some of the dumbest questions I've ever seen. I, I would have just been like, you know what? No, I've never seen him play. I liked his name. He spells Oliver with a W, so we signed him. Yeah, the, so. big, the biggest thing to quote on that for Kasky is from Eiserman, he's going to get a good opportunity. There you go. Yeah, so. and he will. Yeah, back to scenario one, though. I mean, it's 
it's the no no shit here's how things likely will go if nothing else happens yeah which is probably the most realistic scenario so i mean I, i'm not i'm not upset about it i mean i like that the fact that you're going to have zadina in there hirose stays around i thought if he can continue if he has a good off season wait witter's which... not in that lineup right no no one okay, counts good oh god okay then i like nope. it it's great perfect and, and in this scenario n is your extra forward i mean you look at the bottom you got rasmussen again stuck on the fourth line with de la rose and advocator in this scenario but i mean yeah no witkowski no cronwall no vanek that's your big three that are excluded from here i i like it i'll take it and it keeps us as a basement team again we get another lottery pick next year and we just keep rolling and it keeps the cat simple exactly we don't overspend on anything there is no spending there's no one new they're all restricted you can't overspend if you don't spend anything all right there's your warren buffett tip of the night (laughs) (laughs) next scenario so scenario two which has been kind of talked about quite a bit lately uh i don't think quite a bit but it's take on a contract and what Max suggests has been tossed around quite a bit, especially since Stevie came over, and I think even before that. But it would be a trade with Tampa Bay to take on the contract of Ryan Callahan, which he would be making $5.8 million, and it's in his final season of his contract. But along with that, because they're going to be taking on such a contract, because Tampa is one of those teams that's going to be in cap hell, they're also going to get – in this scenario, former second round pick Taylor Radish to kind of compliment. He's another forward. That would be a depth signing restricted level for Detroit again. So there that's the big change, but the other big change in regards to taking on that contract, this one also, this scenario too has them re-signing Nick Cronwall for a season and he'd be at four mil. So because of those two forward contracts you take on, you're losing your Zadina, you're losing Chalowski. Um, looks like those are going to be your mainstays of who you would like to see around. Oh, Hiroshi's off the lot, the roster at this point. Um, so this is a kind of worst case scenario to me. And that the guys that we would want to see playing on the Red Wings roster aren't going to be there because of what they take on, but you get a potential top or good forward down the line if you if they were to bring in a dude like radish for instance but it's that one i think is the riskiest take if they were to go that route i like the middle one where like you get rid of some of the veterans maybe bring in a free agent and then the rest of the holes that you have you plug in with youth i think that's the most realistic well maybe not the most realistic with the free agent but I think that one where you kind of go half and half is the more realistic. I don't think they're taking on a contract at this point. I think the way Eiserman sounded today is the fact that, you know, he would like to see the youth in the lineup and to get younger. That's the way it looked like. But it also looked like he wanted to have a mixture of veterans as well, kind of like what Ken Holland was saying. And I apologize. I think I said that Zadina wasn't on this roster. Zadina is on there. Yeah. No, you said said Hiroshi wasn't on the okay. roster. Sorry, I couldn't remember. I don't that. think there's any situation in which Zadine is not on the roster. Unless Me it's either. a jury thing. Yeah. And all the people that say, oh, he needs another year in Grand Rapids because he sucked. I apparently didn't watch him the the nine games he played for the Red Wings and could clearly see that his development is better suited at the NHL level 
than it is uh, at the the AHL level. No, absolutely. The way he, I thought, he, with and without the puck, he was one of the better wings night to night in his nine games. I think that that is, I, I agree with Tyler. That's the least likely option to happen. I don't think because, or I think, I believe that is the least likely uh, course of action because you're at that point, sure, wasting salary for a season. You're getting Taylor Radish, cool, but I don't think you leave Hiroshi out of the lineup. I just, I can't see it happening. A lot of bad would have to happen for the way Hiroshi finished and how his college season went for him yeah. to not make the roster next season. What if Valeno outplays him in camp, though? Different positions. Different positions. Well, I think he's going to be at center. It's true, but they could play Valeno at wing to start. I think like... so. Then you play Hiroshi on the third line. And you play Valeno on the second line. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, doesn't make sense. So, I mean, I mean, or you play them on opposite wings on the third line. Yeah, and then you put them between two kids in a goat line with Nielsen. There you go. No, that's like two kids in a dead cow line. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a little bit more accurate. Sorry, Brett yeah. Hall didn't mean to taint your fantastic o2 line there don't worry he's drunk he doesn't know he's what's still drunk right he's now. happy right now yeah, yeah. Is he like an alcoholic or like, he was freaking rubbing his nipples last night <laughs> I, did you I see that, that. yes, yes. Oh, brett hall brett, is i think brett hall was all men. of us last night this was, was the larry, greatest he was larry murphy drunk last night it was amazing oh. That, so yeah. let's let's go let's go third option what's the third option so third option i think is the most intriguing and could be the most fun but also the most unlikely and damaging but, yeah yeah possibly but this one is titled scenario three dip into free agent waters but still promote the youth so for this one i'm actually going to read what his potential line pairings would be and i'll first start on the fact that he actually does bring in a free agent signing and that is junis donskoy from donskoy Jonas Donskoy, Junis Donskoy, tomato, tomato. I don't know. I'll learn it when he get if he actually comes here. But <laughs> <laughs> so is it could be a mild impact player. He's it was out in San Jose. If he's had some highlight real goals while he's been out there, the type of guy that could come into Detroit and help them offensively because well they need it. But with with him coming on, so Max predicts this type of roster with him there. Like I said, the second part of this quote or the scenario is promote the youth. So you have Burt, Larkin, Mantha as your first line. He's got a second line. Anthony Sioux at left wing. Franz Nielsen at center, which is terrifying to everyone on a second line center. <laughs> and then, but here's the fun one is Philip Zadina at right wing. The third line is here where things get interesting. Elite scorer Darren Helm is on your left wing. Joe Valino, Mr. Rookie at center, and Jonas Danskoy at right wing. And he's got him predicted at a $3.3 million salary hit. And then your fourth line contains Rasmussen, Glendening, and De La Rose, with your extra forward in this situation being Justin Advocator. <laughs> so really, I mean, with that forward group, I wouldn't be too upset about it. No, me either. Wouldn't be upset, but I mean, again, it's an, it's an unlikely scenario. Absolutely. 
it's more of an NHL 19 where you pray that you just get rid of these guys that you don't like in real life and then just hope that something good will happen with all the rookies in your lineup. But uh, and then anyways, for the defense, though, so here's where it gets more fun. You got DeKaiser Hironik, your first line, Chalowski Green, your second line. So it's really your likely top four for this season. And then your third defensive pairing, Trevor Daly and Oliver Kasky with Madison Bowie as your 7D. I'd swap Daly and Bowie, but yeah, Erickson's Either gone, way. Cronwall's gone, Wickowski's gone. Vanek's gone. Vanek's gone. But the biggest one, and I think if this happened, I'd probably cry tears of happiness. Buying season tickets. I mean, that's right, Don't get crazy now. That's very expensive, so I you go right ahead. Um, but yeah, no, no, Erickson. That'd be fantastic. Oh yeah, it would absolutely. But the one thing you know, it's, he may mentions as a part of this one is that you, he's talking about these guys, youth players coming in the in the roster. He did note that you'd think Svechnikov would be there, but I really like what Max said about him is that because of his ACL injury it's cautious projecting him out to uh, out of the gate and sending him to grand rapids would be the most wise decision because for one, he's 22 years old. If he looks good, then maybe he will make the roster, but you got to see where his condition is going to be at before you can really do anything with that. So I really like what Max had to say there. Well, the ACL thing isn't what it used to be either. You know, you can, you can recover from that fairly easily nowadays. Yeah. But I mean, in a way it's almost like why it's a soccer player in a sense or a basketball player they're they're running and stopping and they're going hard on that knee so i don't know that's true gordon hayward's pr- probably never going to be the same after that injury so that's the most fun scenario i would say yeah i agree me too i i mean i do it i do it just to watch it because i think mm-hmm. it'd be the best one to watch but again i think option one where we kind of just stamp hat get rid of maybe a couple people bring in play Chalowski full-time, that's probably the, the most accepted scenario. And then I think Iserman's press conference today kind of bolsters that a bit. I think you guys are sleeping on Iserman a little bit. I think he's Detroit, the Red Wings, and just the, the franchise, and even the fan base deserves a good hockey trade. Yeah, yeah but, but what are they going to make a good What are they going to do? One that makes sense, of course. But well, when you're saying a good hockey trade, are we talking like a Hall for Larson trade, no, or are you talking no, like a, no. a Ryan O'Reilly gets picked up St. Louis from to St. Louis trade? Well, that kind of trade. But I mean, I don't, I don't know if that trade's there to be had. But I mean, even mm. getting, even getting Truba from Winnipeg would be a, a hockey trade for me, depending on what you have to give up. If it went for something like what we talked about, that's a good, that's a hockey trade. Yeah. But the I biggest agree. thing for me is that if he makes that tra- that trade is made and Truba's signing a deal. He better sign a deal. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not making a trade unless Truba says he's signing. So uh, yeah, there's no there's no way. I mean, he's at you got to think, I mean, especially with Larkin being him at that having the same agent and I'm sure they're probably friends yeah. because all these Michigan yeah. boys seem to be friends. Maybe he does take on that team-friendly type deal, if you want to call it that. Put the air quotes around it, if you will. But if he does, if he were to sign, is he? If it was traded, would he be eligible for eight years if it was before July first? No, it has to be before the previous season's trade deadline. Oh. Got it. So, so you're signing Jake. If it's seven years at eight million, do you do it? 
No. No, I think that's too much for him. I don't think he's a number yeah. one defenseman. I think he's maybe a good number two or three. No, they've said uh, every actual analyst that I've seen has said that Truba's your 1D at that point. You think he's a one, though? Like like on a really good team? We're not a really good team. No, no, no. He, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what's his ceiling? Is he a one or is when, he... When you're not a really good team you sometimes have to pay more to get people to come to your team. I think six is where I would draw the line. Six and a half would be pushing it. No, I, I think, think you're giving there's him There's no seven. way that you can get him for that type of money. Yeah, you're giving him seven to eight. I think most teams are giving him seven to eight. That's a lot. But, mm. but if you think about it, the cap the cap goes up every year. That is good. In, two years, in two years, they're restructuring a TV deal. The cap will go up even more. So, which hopefully NBC gets away from hockey and we have somebody they else. They won't. It. They won't. There's no one else. ESPN's not going to pick it back up. I you don't think Fox, they do a joint venture type thing like yeah, the NFL? I think they might. I, uh, I, don't think so. I think they need to if they want to grow the game in the United States. I don't know if it's I just think be they need bad. to fire their. If, if NBC fired their entire announcement team besides Doc and Eddie Olchek, I mean, that's what they have to do. They have to fire their. Like Mike Milbury needs to go, <laughs> Pierre needs to go. I just I can't anymore. Mm-hmm. It's Milbury infuriates me now. Oh, like people were saying Charles Barkley was on on Game Seven. They're like, "Oh my God, please replace Mike Milbury with Charles Barkley," because Charles Barkley made some great comparisons between like basketball and hockey, and and made some good points. And they're like, "Geez, just move Mike Milbury, just push him off the set and let Barkley sit down, please." <laughs> I'd be good with that. So, have you guys seen the stuff going? This is kind of going. This is going in line with Truba right now. Have you seen the contract projections that have been posted out there? There's, I forget. It's who is evolving wild. That's who posted it. Um, what do you think they've got Truba and Line A going for for their current projection in term? For their next contracts? Yeah, their projected cap hit based off their model. If Line A resigns with Winnipeg, I would guess he'd be between nine and a half and ten. Surprisingly, their model shows him at seven point two. No way in hell! Not eight after year, his eight, first season. Eight-year deal at seven point nine. I would say eight times eight does it for for line A. Probably. Yeah. They're projecting if Truba is going to get an eight-year re-sign deal, eight point three. But they're putting him more around the five-six-year deal at seven point three. I would not be surprised to see Truba get something like that or, or a little more. Yeah, I think Wings would have to do seven by seven by eight or seven by seven and a half if they were to sign Truba. Mm-hmm. I'd be okay with that. But so, I, I, if it meant if, if you're losing Green's contract, you're paying two mil extra. If you're not bringing back Cronwall back, there's a couple million right there. Your money is fine. Well, I guess Greg, you made a good point. I think it was on a podcast before. Um, where you basically said, well, you're not going anywhere this year anyways, so then what's yeah. the benefit of getting Truba in here now versus waiting a year and then signing him for nothing? Yeah, but he's an RFA still. Oh, that's a good, that, yeah. Yeah, that's a good so. point. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So if the trade can be well, made now, you want to do it because if he gets jettisoned during the season, then you're screwed. But you lose that extra year if you were to try to wait and get him during the season or something like that because that team could get him for eight years probably. They've been looking at him for a long time. I wouldn't be surprised if the triggers pulled on that. This Have they been looking at him, or has it just been the rumor because he's a Michigan guy? It's the same thing with Tory Krug. It's a rumor because he's a well, Michigan guy. 
Well, I don't know. Friedman brought it up on his podcast, and and those insider guys aren't just going to bring that up to bring it up because they think that, that that there's a fit there. They they they're plugged in. That they have something on it. Either they've spoken to someone in the organization that likes the player, or or you know they're spitballing, or they've heard from their sources. I mean, those guys are plugged in. So if there's a source, not Pierre Maguire, but somebody saying that Truba could possibly end up in Detroit, then, I mean, I would I would believe that source. I take it all with a grain of salt after what happened with Suter and Parise. Ugh. That's upsetting still. Had to, you had to bring that up, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, everything is a grain of salt until something actually happens, and Bob McKenzie tweets that it happened. Bob is one of the only people that I still almost trust with 100% certainty mm-hmm. is Bob. So. We're running out of time, so I think we're going to do our final thoughts, and then we'll wrap this up here, and we will start with you, Ryan. Final thoughts. So final thoughts are congrats to the St. Louis Blues, Layla, and the city. I mean, they've had some recent success with the Cardinals, but it was fantastic to see pretty much everyone come against Boston in support of them because nobody cares about Boston. If you do, well, you probably live in Boston, but – other than that, it's, I like the comments that Eiserman had to say today. I think it is very cryptic, but at the same time, it's what he's kind of maintained since the first press conference. And I still think there's plenty of room for cautious optimism of what may or may not happen in the next two to three weeks with the draft and free agency. So it's, I've probably said it about a thousand times. It's, it's exciting. And I think it's only going to get better, even though it's going to be still painful for another year or two. Yeah, my final thoughts are congrats on on winning the Stanley Cup to to the city of St. Louis and the Blues. I'm really looking forward to the draft next Friday night. We've got people coming over my house, my neighbors coming over. There's a Red Wings fan. Me and my dad are going to be watching it, even though my dad's a Bruins fan. He he wants the Wings to get back to promise and, and being a good team again. So I'm looking forward to the draft. I can't wait. Hopefully there's a trade or two to, to spice things up a little bit. Maybe even, hey, who knows, maybe even an offer sheet at some point there. Awesome. Well, my final thoughts are going to be, uh, since Ryan didn't give you Twitter, it's at RDRyan33, and Tyler didn't give you Twitter, it's at SealDog91. Thanks, Greg. My final thoughts are are kind of the same. Congrats to the Blues. I mean, well-deserved. Go get drunk. You deserve it. It's uh, be patient, be optimistic. Don't get pissed off when stuff doesn't happen. I think I've said this all before. Iserman does things under the cover of night. He might surprise us, but if he doesn't knock your socks off, there's a reason that he's not doing it. So don't get mad if he's not giving stuff away just to make some flashy moves. You can follow me online at bringing the wing. You can follow the Grindline podcast online at Grindline pod. You can uh, find us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Podbean. You can find our merch at redbubble.com. If you search the grind line and uh, go to our shop, we have a whole bunch of really cool stuff there for you to buy. It helps us support our podcast. We only get a small proceed of it, but every penny counts. So for Tyler, yeah, for Tyler and Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy hockey town.